Hey guys, thanks for joining us for this fifth episode in Season 4 of Good Questions with Cameron Dole. Special guest on this episode is singer-songwriter Adam Hood. We'll discuss his latest singles, Buzzes Like Neon and Varnado, along with his reimagined version of the album, Different Groove. Of course, if you would, please take the time to subscribe, comment, leave some feedback, check out our online shops, and of course, share with your friends. Now, you have probably heard about an elaborate Halloween decoration that's so spooky someone thinks it's real and complains or even calls the police. But this is new. Firefighters in upstate New York were called to a house fire, and that's exactly what it looks like from the outside. But it was just a very impressive Halloween stunt with fake flames lit up in the windows. Now, the fire department posted a video of it, and they're apparently cool with it remaining up. They said, to our surprise, this was an amazing Halloween decoration. This display will be up Friday and Saturday nights for the public's entertainment until the end of October. All right, guys, we will have our special guest Adam Hood on with us in just a moment, but before that, have you ever grabbed a few squares of toilet paper and been frustrated because it didn't tear away in a neat line? Well, I have too, but and apparently it's an issue that bothers a lot of other people. Now, Charmin says that they got a lot of complaints about toilet paper not tearing cleanly along the perforation, so they had their team look into it. Now, they figured out that the uneven tear was because the line was straight, but people were pulling from many different angles and directions. So the team started working on a redesign. It took them more than five years, but they just announced that the end result is ready. It's called smooth tear, and instead of a straight line, it's a wavy perforation. That means that each piece is no longer a square, which is a significant change. Now, the smooth tear will debut this month for their ultra soft rolls. It's unclear if they'll also change their other varieties or if other brands might follow suit as well. All right, guys, another very special guest. And I uh, was excited as I was doing some, some research as we set up the interview. Got to work with one of my good buddies as I first came into country radio, Brent Cobb, on one of his previous albums. We're going to talk about uh, a, a new rendition of an album, if you will, with Adam Hood today. And uh, first off, Adam, it's a, it's a privilege to visit with you, man. Likewise. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you having me on here this morning. Thanks. Now, tell us tell us about uh, the, the new single's been out there for a few weeks, the the new album as well, or, or the re-envisioned album, if you will. And for, for you, I, I love I, I love the reading that I, I did about the album and, and what redoing this means for you and, and, and how much more heart are you able to give those songs maybe uh, than you were on the original project? Man, it's, I mean, it, it, I understand it was a bold move. And, uh, you know, but to me, it, it like once we kind of got into the, to the, the process of doing it and once I sort of committed to it and you know my wife and I spent a lot of time kind of prayerfully talking about it and trying to figure it out because you know she had kind of mentioned that you should read you should you know re, re, redo this record or, or just kind of rediscover it or or, or try it and I, I, I tossed it off for a long time um, and then when I got the opportunity I started when I met Gordy Quist and the band of Heathens guys I started talking to them about it and it everything just kind of fell into place you know 
And so it, for as bold of a move as it was, uh, it was it, it felt like a really natural progression of from the conception of you should do this until the whole thing came out. You know what I mean? And so, I mean, in in the actual to answer your question, uh, it was spectacular. I mean, I feel like and especially because of the fact that the original project that was the first time I'd ever been into the studio. You know, I, I mean, I wasn't comfortable with my voice. I started taking voice lessons there. And so there were there was all these things that that were so brand new to me. I mean, even like the writing process, like writing for a project and stuff like that, like all of it was brand new to me. And, you know, you're talking, I mean, some 20 odd years later and and living with these songs and these songs kind of meaning as much as they have to people like these were my first singles that I took out to Texas radio and to Americana and just to everything, you know, like it was my introduction to really the kind of music world um, it, from a professional perspective. Um, and so it was it was really great. And I mean, I, like I said, I've, I've been living with these songs long enough to where I, I knew all the little cracks and corners that, that I wanted to change, you know, and, and it wasn't a whole lot. There weren't a whole lot of changes that we necessarily made. I just feel like we just kind of, you know, uh, you know, sanded off some rough edges and and dialed it in really good. And I mean, it's it's the record I wanted to make. And, and for you, as you look back at the at the process then, and how the process has changed over the years, uh, how have how have you grown in studio? I mean, I, I'm sure you've been asked a lot about how your songwriting as process has changed. How has your studio process changed? I mean, it's a confidence thing, really, to be honest with you. I mean, because at the end of the day, like. I mean, I, I don't sing any more correctly than I did. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's all kind of, it's flat where it's flat, you know, but at the same time, uh, yeah, it's, it's just, it's just the understanding of like the, the, uh, the understanding of the delivery of the song, if you will. And then the, just sort of knowing how to deliver it, knowing where to keep it quiet, knowing where to push, knowing kind of just, you know, I mean, I've listened to my voice enough to, to know, kind of the the little nuances that that I can bring to songs like that you know and I mean it's it it, it comes out when I write it but it's sometimes it, it, a song is well there's no sometimes it's always the song is kind of always bigger than you and so you sort of have to sort of have to figure out a way to to you know even though you are sort of the vessel that it comes through you got to sort of put your own piece into it you know and, and that sometimes that can be a challenge you know and especially with some of these songs like I said, I've lived with these for a while, but they're different from from the songs I write now, you know. And and a lot of it's because of the fact that like there was a lot more diversity in the stuff I was listening to, and I wasn't really writing as much then. Like I was writing more directly towards like it was it was a song every two months as opposed to like a song a week, you know. And and how do you pace yourself in in the writing process? Is is it something that you you sit yourself down? You have a, a set schedule that uh, that you do writing, or is it something more inspirational? You you get a an inspiration, you jot a little note down. I mean, how is the process for you? Man, I saw this quote that, <clears throat> that uh, Rick Rubin said, and I'll, I'll paraphrase it. He said, you know, he said you you don't you you can't. You can't go into it and say I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna write three songs today. You know what I mean? You just don't. You're, we're not we're not always fortunate enough to have the the ability. You you can do it, but at the same time, you know, in order to to sort of 
be able to express yourself creatively and to kind of create a piece of work. I mean, I just, I don't, I can't, I'm just not lucky enough to, to be able to, to do it at will. You know what I mean? And, and so I've really, I have to, it's still a work in progress. I have to kind of learn to be open to ideas. And so when I, when I do get those ideas, when, you know, through conversation or something I hear on TV or a book or something like that, you know, you, those, Oh, that's a song moments. You know, you got to really make sure that there's, you know, there's all kinds of stuff in my notepads and my phone and stuff. And so I just try to write it down. And then, you know, once I write it down, there's usually time and place where I can, you know, that's, that's kind of the reason why I go to Nashville. I mean, I go to Nashville to write if nothing else, you know? And so, so in those times, if I have one writing appointment during the day, well, I can, you know, let's say 11 o'clock, I'm done by two. I try to go back to the apartment and just sit and, and take those things that I've written down and pilfer through them and say, okay, this is good. Or, or just, I don't know, just kind of see what, 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 what strikes me and then create some form of music to it. And that's a, that's a piece of a song, you know? And, and to carry the the genre, they, the 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 southern roots sound, uh, the, the southern country roots sound for you. Where you talked about getting the voice lessons earlier. I mean, how how much did voice lessons change you, or did uh, were you able to kind of go a little bit more inside yourself as uh, over the last twenty years to, to to build the voice and the sound, if you will. The lessons. The the thing is, and here's a misconception about vocal lessons. You know. Um, and this was my misconception at the beginning too. It was, it was, you, you think to yourself that it's going to change the way you sing. And yes, it is going to change the way you sing, but it's more for a preservation sake. It's more so that you can, you know, that if, if you got shows on Thursday and then you got shows on Saturday, that by Sunday you still got a voice, you know? And, and so it's really for the, for the sake of just kind of, it, it's more like a, it's, it's exercise, you know, it's, it's strengthening the muscles. It's learning how to breathe. It's learning how to sort of, and in doing that, you can, well, I, it, I've been able to book, it creates a control basically, you know, because, because the exercise sort of strengthens the muscle, I can create a control to where I, I at least can get a little closer to, to, you know, singing the things I want to sing the way I want to sing them. You know what I mean? For whatever that may be. Like I said, you know, it may, it may come out like hillbilly. I don't know, whatever it is. I don't know. But nonetheless, at least I can get my point across and, and, and sort of, like I said, just, just the, make the delivery what I want it to be. Now, now, when you work on uh, on a project for yourself or, or a song, right, that you know is intended for yourself, is is that different whenever you're looking to write for yourself and rather than just sitting down to, to write for maybe whoever, if you will? They turn out that way. Um, I don't necessarily go into it that way. It, again, like I said, you know, it's really just kind of, it's it's grabbing ideas out of the ether and then, you know, <laughs> trying to create music out of, out of the things that you hear. And so, um, you know, it, it turns out that way though. And a lot of it just depends on who I'm writing with and, and, and the time, you know, if, I mean, if we're, if we're working on a record, then we're, we're working on a record, you know? And so, um, it, it to answer your question, yes. I mean, it, it, it is, but it's never directed that way. Like, I mean, you know, you always go in there with the intention of saying, well, um, okay, let's say I've, you know, I've been doing some writing with Cody Cannon from Whiskey Myers. I mean, you know, those guys are, those guys are making a record. Well, you know, I've got a number of, of, of 
right schedule with him. So we may, out of the stuff that we write, let's say he records one of them well and we write four songs, then, you know, I, there's there's three still there. I mean, are they appropriate for me? Are they appropriate for another Whiskey Myers record? Are they appropriate for something Brent's doing or something else? You know what I mean? So, so you know, it's, it's it, the, the intention is really just to finish the work. And, and yes, you go into it with the process, but it never starts out that way. Like I, I never have songs that I go, okay, this is really good for so-and-so unless it's a female, you know what I mean? Like there's kind of, you know, sort of, you know, I hate to say gender specific, but you know, I mean, if, if you're using he's instead of she's, you're probably going to write that song for a female. You know what I mean? So anyway, that's funny. Now, now do you have any that you've had uh, put away that you're, uh, you're, you're looking to, uh, to push over to the Swift, uh, the Swift camp? Oh man, I wish <laughs> I'm no good at pop music. That's the thing. And you know, and, and the funny thing is like you listen to music like that and, and, and granted, you know, I, I, I don't know how directional, her stuff is to pop music. It, it, it very much is. However, you know, you listen, the best pop songs are just, they're just great songs, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you listen to them and you go, man, that is really so eloquently said, but so simple at the mm-hmm. same time. Yeah. And it's always a, I can do that moment and, until you try to sit down and do it. You know, I mean, honestly, to tell you the truth, pop songs are hard to write and children's songs are more hard. They're, Children's songs are more difficult to write than pop songs are. If you really think you're a good writer, try to write a children's song. Try to write a record of children's songs. You'll, you'll change your brand. <laughs> now, now, Adam, who are the who are the songwriters out there that inspire you today? That are that are maybe uh, taking some chances, doing some things that uh, that were maybe a little off the norm, if you will. I mean, Brent's doing great. Uh, you know, I kind of I. I I do two things. I, I continue to pull from the guys that I've always pulled from. Um, I believe that, that masters are, are and forever will be masters. Um, and then, I, then I've, got, I've got good friends. I mean, Brent's a, a good buddy. Jason Eady is a great friend of mine. He, you know, he and I do a lot of writing together. Um, Channing Wilson is a really good buddy of mine. He and I do a lot of writing together. Uh, and, and then, you know, but I still go back to John Hyatt records. I still go back to Delbert McClinton records. I still go back to Jackson Brown and Guy Clark and stuff like that. I mean, there's just, man, I was thinking about it today. Just the whole, I mean, Guy Clark's approach to songwriting, there's just a depth there that, that you can sort of, you can you can pull from that for the rest of your life. You know what I mean? Like, it's, you know, there there's, there's direction there. But there's always kind of happy endings and there's just, you know, just good moments. You know what I mean? And they just make it just makes for great music. And so, so, uh, you know, I, I feel pretty fortunate in the fact that, that um, I've, I've found the music that I've found early for inspiration's sake. And then I've got buddies that, that I write with that that uh, that kind of we're all like minded. That's cool. Now, the the, the couple singles that released uh, Buzzes Like Neon and Varnado uh, for for you is, is one maybe a, a little more special to you in uh, maybe the the memory of that song. Varnado has a, a better backstory, but Buzzes Like Neon sort of had a lot more staying power. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it was it was the one to where you know when we when we kind of started playing these songs out leading up to the original release of the, the original record. And then throughout all these years, um, Neon has really kind of stood out a little bit more. It's the one that people have, have related to a little bit more. But I think Varnado has 
a lot more interesting of a backstory. And uh, I, I know we're going to go back an album here, but as I was uh, listening to music over the last, actually over the last week, as uh, as we were leading up to this, I was uh, picking up some different songs, and the the one that's been sticking to me, uh, because I told you how we've had uh, life has kind of hit us over the last year and a half, yeah. broke but not broken, man. I wanted to t- I wanted to give you a chance to talk about that song because, dude, that just hit me hit me right in the, right in the face. Well, thank you. Um, man, I appreciate you saying that because, you know, that's the, these, I, and I, I've been doing this recently. We did it, we did it before the Bad Days Better record. We've done it during the, the, the re-recording of the Different Groove record. And then I'll probably do it again this year. Uh, I wind up going into the studio and just kind of cutting these two or three songs. Well, when we were, when we were recording Different Groove, I, I did that, I did, like I said, I did it in Austin at the finishing school and, uh, and, and, I wrote that song with Jason Eady, and so he was at the finishing school. the The studio is at a house, and then there's a house next door where you stay. Okay, so Jason said, "Well, I'm I'm I've got nothing to do on Wednesday. Why don't I just come by and let's try to write some stuff? I got a record to make. Let's do some stuff. This, that, and the other." And so, so he came in, and, and we had we had that song, and we had another one. And uh, I mean, it's funny because man, that song it kind of wrote itself. And again, it's another example, you know, of you know, you you think you know what you're doing. You know what I mean. And, and but then you finish that song, and man, he and I were just kind of sitting there listening to it. And there's there's just so many different ways to kind of spin that song. You know, and I mean, and for for it for it to say so little, it says so much. And and listen, he and I, even with our heads together, we are not that smart. You know what I mean? Like we are not clever enough. That song is is bigger than us. But um. I'm really proud of it, you know, and it, it's a it 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 suits Jason's style a little more than mine, but it shows kind of the similarity in our style. Like even though it is more Jason's style than mine, it I I do have songs in that sort of you know a little bit more lower key, a little bit more sort of you know kind of lower melodic, slower kind of things. Um, and, and so I'm just, I'm, I'm proud of it. Yeah. And I'm, I appreciate the fact that you, that you dig that song. Yeah. And, uh, for, for you, we talk about how, how therapeutic music is and, and that's how broke, but not broken. That's how it hit me. It was, it was therapeutic. It's one of those that, that helped me for, for you, whenever you need therapy music wise, what's, what, what are some of your go-tos? What are some of your go-to songs that, uh, that you plug in? Oh man. I mean, you know, the whole writing process is kind of like breathing, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you, there's, there's kind of, there's kind of anxiety that builds up and then, then you, you finish a song and it's a real burden lifted, you know? And, and so, I mean, just that process is great. I mean, as far as like listening to stuff, oh man, uh, let's see, I'm trying to think of some stuff that I've been listening to. I can always go back to Stone's records. I can always go back to that kind of stuff. And like I said, I mean, you know, I, the, the Guy Clark records is just there. There's there's a there's a a, a depth and a, and just kind of a, a perspective on on life and music and stuff that I I can really just pull from. 
That's cool. Now, now, what's uh, what's what's the next project? What's uh, or or the current? I mean, there's there's never a next project. You're always working on uh, on another current project, right? <laughs> I didn't realize that I had to work at such a pace. You know, we were talking about the other day, and I mean, Band Aids Better has only been out a year. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, like, we're already working on a new record. I mean, you you and I have been around long enough to where you know it used to be a three year process. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and now there's like a a 12 month process, mm-hmm. which, um, which is fine. I mean, you know, I, I, I realize that I can, I cannot operate at this level, um, or not this level, but I can operate at this pace. I just never have had to, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, right. um, I mean, I'm still working with Brent and we're going to, we're going to go back in in December and, and try to cut some more songs and kind of see where that leads. Um, I, you know, I love the stuff that he's doing. I love the fact that, you know, we're recording, you know, he's been doing a lot of work with Capricorn and making, mm-hmm. um, I just never thought, you know, you hear of those studios all the time. I mean, you know, we live in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, so I'm about an hour south of Muscle Shoals and, and, you know, is, is, as much as I've recorded in Nashville and as efficient as, as their, their efforts are and, and just, you know, you, man, you can, I mean, I've made a lot of great music in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, it's cool to have a place like Capricorn that that is that is off the beaten path. Number one, number two, historical. Number three, that that room is magic, man. I mean, it is. Um, it I there is a reason why it is as legendary as it is. There is magic in that room, um, and so and I think Brent's got it dialed in, and uh, you know we so we we talked about it a lot. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll, we're going to go give it one more shot and see what happens. And, and if, if we go in and we give it one more shot and it's great, we'll put that record out and we'll go give it another. Shot. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's, you know, just kind of just taking one step in front of the other, really. Now, over the last 20 years, we've seen uh, so much change in the, in the music industry and social media has uh, has popped up for us and and adam how mu- how much of a challenge and which one has been the most challenge for you it has been an adjustment yeah. um man my wife is a force uh she's really kind of i think she has a knack for the whole social media mm-hmm. thing and and also is a is, is a, a a good driving force and somebody that can kind of keep me in line and sort of help me think through things that, that I can't think through on my own and kind of give me ideas that I can't, that I can't come up with on my own and, and sort of help me plan strategies and, and, you know, posting times and things like that. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it has been a challenge, but you know, I mean, if you don't accept challenges and you don't stay open to things, you don't grow. And, and so I, I just assume, I just assume take it. And it's, it's kind of fun. I mean, the cool thing is about, uh, the cool thing is about social media and the cool thing is about the streaming process is the fact that you can specifically see exactly how many people are listening yeah. and who they are and where they're from and what time they're listening to and what age they are. You know what I mean? Like you can really, if, if you want to get into it, you can really target your audience. I mean, you know, the people that comment on my posts, I notice are people that I know them. And even if I don't know them and they comment on my post, I, I see them at shows. I, like, like let's say someone comments on something I made yesterday and then they come to a show. I know that person. Yeah. And I know that person through social media. And before then, there was not that opportunity. Mm-hmm. There, was no, there was no way to specifically get to know your audience and get to know, I mean, the names and, and homes and, and, you know, really exactly – who is my music reaching? And if you can do that, I mean, you know, my manager, Ben Ratliff, said the same thing. He said, you know, the guys that that have really 
sort of stood the test of time, sort of test of time, the Willies and the Waylands and guys like that. I mean, you know, they they didn't have you know they they didn't have any marketing strategy other than just just delivering their music to their fans and and trying to make sure that you know they just gave them the best, the most honest version of what they do to the people that are listening and, and just kind of take care of the people that are taking care of you. And this is the best way to do it. It really is. There's no better way to do it. Mm. And so I embrace it. That's cool. And uh, that, that, that last line, one of the lines you said in there was one of the descriptors I would say about your music. And that is honest. And 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 and, and 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 for you having on it being so honest in your music and transparent, if you will, in your songwriting, uh, it, it, did did that come natural or was that something you really had to work on? Yeah, you got to work on it. Mm. Yeah, I mean it, and it's it, you got to learn how to work on your honesty without airing your dirty laundry. Ah. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> that was a hard lesson to learn because it was easy for me to be honest. But it was not easy for me to learn how to be honest and not hurt anybody's feelings. You know what I mean? And, and the, you know, that's a hard lesson to learn when you want to be honest. Because at the end of the day, you know, I didn't, I didn't start writing because I, because I wanted to be a star like we were talking about. I mean, I started writing because I had, you know, I had stuff to get off my chest. And uh, I had to learn how to get it off my chest with, without, without hurting anybody. And the best way to do that is just to talk about yourself, really. You know what I mean? To just say, well, here's how I feel about it. Not here's how you should feel. Here's how I feel about it. Whatever it may be. And then, in doing that, try to take the eye out of it so yeah. that mm. it's not so personal that no one else can relate to it. You know what I mean? Like, this is, instead of like, this is how you should feel. Here's how I feel. I hope you feel the same way. You know what I mean? And that that's a process. You know, it, it did. It, it took me a long time in, in doing that and trying to make it rhyme and trying to make it interesting and just trying to make it not only interesting, but conversational mm. and not talking over anybody's head and let it be poetry without being poetic. And you know what I'm saying? Just the whole thing. It's <laughs> man. Just, there's a lot to it. it. <laughs> he said, there's a lot uh, to there's it. A lot. <laughs> if you want to write good songs, there's a lot to it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, Adam, I always want to uh, make sure and let our listeners and our viewers know where they can keep up with the, the, the new album, the upcoming albums, all uh, the, the previous music, uh, obviously YouTube, socials, all that as well. Everything is available through my website. If you go to adamhood.com, there's, I mean, there's merchandise, there's links to all my social media, there's videos, there's tour dates, there's, I mean, anything that you would want uh, is, is available at adamhood.com. And so, um, and we're, we're out on all streaming platforms. We're out on all social media outlets. And so, yeah, if you, can, if you, if you, if you want to know, just go to adamhood.com and you can pretty much find it there. Well, uh, that's good stuff. And uh, Adam, it has been a privilege to have the chance to, to meet you, get to know you a little bit better today. And uh, hopefully we can do it again real soon, brother. Likewise, Cam. I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for having me. I've enjoyed the conversation. Before we ramp up, got one last thing to share. Now, these questions are supposed to make you think they aren't really meant to answer in a concrete way, but heck, let's do it anyway, right? Someone polled 10,000 Americans, asked them three philosophy questions that we've all heard before. Is a glass half full or half empty? If a tree falls and no one's there, does it make a sound? And which came first, the chicken or the egg? 
Now here's how people answered each one and see if you agree. Is a glass half full or half empty? 61% said they usually think of it as half full. The older you are, the more likely you are to agree. Number two, if a tree falls in the woods and no one's there, does it still make a sound? Now we're pretty unified on that one. Only 8% said that it doesn't. And number three, which came first, the chicken or the egg? We're pretty divided on this one. 44% said the chicken, 32% said the egg, and 24 couldn't decide. Now for what it's worth, actual biologists have tried to answer the chicken egg question, and even they can't decide. Well, thanks again for joining us for this fifth episode in season four of Good Questions with Cameron Dole. If you ever have a comment, question, or anything else you'd like to know, you can hit me up on the socials on Instagram, X, formerly Twitter, TikTok, and Facebook at The Cameron Dole. You can also subscribe to my YouTube channel, Cameron Dole. If you have a special guest idea, be sure and email me, gqwithcam at gmail.com. We'll do want to say thanks to our good friend Brandon Allen. He came up with this theme music when we started season number one. We're still rolling with it, so we'll let him play us out and hope you guys have a great weekend.